Welcome to Pregnancy Help Podcast. My name is Christine Grimmett, and I'm thankful today for this opportunity to share a devotional that Benny McDowell, the Vice President of Ministry Services at Heartbeat International, gave to a group of medical professionals in the Pregnancy Help community a couple of months ago. You'll hear her speaking directly to these medical professionals, but as I first listened, I really felt that this was something others in ministry could benefit from. So whether you're a director, a nurse, a receptionist, client advocate, or board member, I want you to take this devotional to heart. And actually, if you're able to find a quiet space to listen or go out for a walk, or just somehow let go of your to-do list for this time, I really think it'll speak to you. So this morning, I wanted us to spend a little time um, with a reflection. And so it's always interesting to me when I'm asked to do a devotional, and I'm very honored to do something with you. It's like, what does God have for you? And most of the time when when I'm asked to do a devotional, it's something that God's been dealing with uh, in my heart. So what I'm going to share with you has probably a lot to do with my heart, and I do feel like it'll be Uh, valuable to some of you right now where you are, or perhaps some of you in the near future, uh, depending on on the course of your own life. So you might take this as ministry to you. You might be able to take this as equipping for ministry for someone else or for yourself in the future. So I wanted to start by uh, sharing with you a little bit of a story. So I was listening to a podcast uh, last week, and it was with um, Stephanie Gray. I don't know if you're familiar with Stephanie Gray, but she is a pro-life apologetics uh, person. She is the executive director of an organization called Love Unleashes Life. So she is an amazing woman, brilliant, and is often uh, before crowds to talk about her pro-life view. She's most known for a talk that she actually did at Google. Uh, which was which was uh, a new experience for Google to allow in. It's kind of like their TED Talk uh, lecture series, uh, so a little longer than a TED Talk, so an actual lecture. And she had the ability or was given the gift to go and speak before a crowd at Google and share this pro-life perspective. Um, and so she's she's just amazing. So I was listening to her, and she was being interviewed, and and they were asking her like, "How do you answer the tough questions?" about uh, a woman who perhaps is raped or perhaps um, a child with a poor prognosis. What is the pro-life view? How do you respond to those things? And as Stephanie moved through her presentation, she briefly shared this following story that I want to share with you. And it just got me thinking about some things. It was something God used in my life to begin to address and to look at some things a little deeper for me. And this is a tough story that I'm going to share with you. So I understand this might trigger some things for a few of you as you're listening. And so I ask that you give me grace as I share. And if it does trigger you in some way, give yourself some room and some grace so that you could go back later and ask God to help you understand the trigger and perhaps what in you needs to be maybe healed or addressed. So if that happens to you, it's okay. You're still in a safe place. So the story takes place, and it's a true story, um, in Mexico City. So a 12-year-old girl by the name of Liana Revelito. And I have, um, I'm intrigued by her, so I want to know more about her. But at the age of 12, she was abducted, and she was brutally raped by her captors. Captors. 
more than one. Um, eventually, she was rescued. And when she was rescued, it was discovered that she was pregnant. 12 years old and pregnant from rape. The doctors, of course, uh, looked at this 12-year-old girl and said, you know, I think abortion is something that you should, you should have. I mean, this is, this is a terrible situation. This is the worst of the worst when you think of, of trying to represent pro-life and its view. This is the tough case and requires a response from us. And Leanna, in her 12-year-old, innocent, yet wise self, asked the doctor if having an abortion would make her feel clean again. She told the doctor that she felt dirty. That was the word that she used as a 12-year-old. I feel so dirty. And she asked if the abortion would take away the pain, the trauma, the memories of the rape. And the doctor basically answered, no, he couldn't guarantee any of that. And Leanna had the ability, the maturity, the wisdom, and basically replied, if abortion isn't going to take my pain away, then what's the point? So later, Stephanie goes on and she shared how Leanna's experience with that child and giving birth to that child actually saved Leanna's life. So while pregnant, Leanna, dealing with the trauma of the rape, felt very unworthy. She was depressed. She was suicidal. But because she was pregnant, she knew that this other life was depending on her. And she pushed through the pain and put this baby ahead of herself. So she had this baby girl, and with help, she raised this girl. She goes on to say that if it had not been for this daughter, she would have lost her life. So it brings me to this uh, author, Dr. Viktor Frankl. Some of you might be familiar with his work. Man's Search for Meaning is probably his most well-known uh, book. Viktor Frankl was a psychiatrist. He was in World War II, the Holocaust. He was a Holocaust survivor, experienced many atrocities, and after the war found himself seeing patients who also were survivors of the Holocaust. And he talked about those that he treated, and he said that those who did well and went on to live good lives were the ones who found meaning in the purpose of their pain. He goes on, one of his famous lines is that despair is suffering without meaning. I thought that was pretty powerful, and it really got me thinking about people like Corey Tenboom right, who went through the Holocaust, who lost her sister, her father lost family members, other family members. But in that process, she found meaning. Therefore, she didn't despair. And I thought how many organizations exist, how many ministries, how many books, how many movements exist, because they were birthed out of pain. And my guess is that most of us who are involved in this ministry have a personal connection to pain. It's the value of life. It may be a past abortion. Um, there's something that connects us to the calling of how God has used pain in our own lives to birth ministry out of us. So the women that we see 
if you think of them coming in, because we hear more and more about the hard cases of women who come in and they their hearts are just turned to, no, I'm going to have an abortion. So what's going on inside of them? These women in particular, I believe they know the truth somewhere deep inside um, that God designed us in such a way to know the value of life. But they're in such emotional pain, even though they may not look like it, because People are pretty good at hiding pain sometimes. They just really want out. So there's an article that was written many years ago called Abortion, the Least of Three Evils. It's something that's available for affiliates only um, in, in that section of our website. And it's an old article, but it's a great article. And it really talks about uh, women who are really, they're in emotional pain and they just want to get back to normal or what they know is of normal. And so a woman is contemplating, if she has this baby, it means death to herself, death to her life as she once knew it, and that's very painful. If she has this baby and she places the baby for adoption, it becomes death to self because of what she's experienced, and it tells her that she's a terrible mother. Now, we know that's not true, but that's the thought process that happens with women, The third option for her is abortion, which is she sees it as not death to self, but death to the child, and that allows her to go back to normal. So hence, while she may not think abortion is the best decision, she often sees it as the least of three evils. So she's not not death to self. I'm not a bad mother. We just end this and move on. But again, we know that something beautiful uh, can be birthed out of pain. So that got me thinking about my own issues of pain and and thinking about how a few years ago, I was having great difficulty with my knee, was really hurting, very painful. And I thought my response to pain was first to ignore it and then to medicate it, to numb it. But when the pain became greater to the point that I had to address it, it was invading my life, my sleep, I had to go and talk to someone. But that's pretty much how I tend to deal with pain in most of areas of my life. And that's really what your clients are doing as well, right? We we ignore the pain until we have to face it. We might try to medicate the pain, which in some ways I think is how women view abortion. uh, Is to that's how we medicate the pain is to have an abortion, not realizing that something beautiful could be born out of this and not realizing that they may have some terrible things to walk through afterward. But it is common for us to ignore and to numb. So I want you to take a moment and think about how God has used pain in your own life to perhaps bring you to the ministry that you're in. Because there's something about that that tells us we can actually thank God in the midst of that pain. The fact that he brought something beautiful from your pain, from my pain. And oftentimes that pain is because of rebellion. It's rebellion on our part or it's rebellion on someone else's part and we suffer the consequences of someone else's rebellion. And then there are times when tough things just happen and there's no logical explanation as to where it came from or why. So it brings me to the book of Jeremiah. 
And the book of Jeremiah um, has a lot of great lessons for us. And basically, uh, to sum up Jeremiah, God called Jeremiah to lead a stubborn people. It's like, hey, here's your assignment. Calling you, Jeremiah, to lead in a difficult culture, in a difficult time where people were completely rebellious against God. And he says, you're going to lead these people. You're my prophet, often called the weeping prophet, right? You are called to lead my people. And oh, by the way, Jeremiah, they're not going to listen to you. So how's that for an assignment? (laughs) So God calls us to some interesting places. I'm calling you to do ultrasound to help women see this. But guess what? Some of them aren't going to listen to you. And some of them are going to walk away. It's only until we have distance that sometimes we can look back and we can see the clearer picture. And so while we do everything we can to minister to that woman who comes in, we have to recognize that in our own lives, we've ignored and pushed our own pain away. And eventually God gets us. God pursues us and God helps us. And so sometimes we have to assume that that is what is happening with these women that we minister to, right? They come to us, they might be in denial of their pain. We do our best to minister to them. And we trust that God will help them. And so many times I know we bear the pain of a woman who, who walks away and tells us she's going to have an abortion. And maybe she does. Maybe you find out many months or years later, she didn't. There are also women that we believe we've changed her mind. We've been part of that process. And then she disappoints and turns around and has an abortion. So we can't carry that. It's not ours to carry. That pain is not ours to carry, but it is up to us to deal with the pain in our own lives because God uses that pain. Whenever we we have pain, it's an indicator that something is not as it was designed to be. So when I have a response or a reaction to a story and I recognize now that's an emotional pain, why? And I have to deal with it. So in the book of Jeremiah, um, I came across this scripture, and I want to read it to you in the message, because I really like this translation. But it's, this is Jeremiah 31, 20. And, and it really tells us that in the midst of our pain and in the midst of what we're doing in serving women who are in pain, God speaks to us and says something to us. Now, different translations of this verse talk about Israel. In the message, it uses the word um, Ephraim which is a word meaning God's people, and you are God's people. So I'll read it to you as it's written in the message, and then we're going to read it a couple times over, but with some different wording in it. So the verse itself says, O Ephraim is my dear, dear son, my child in whom I take pleasure. Every time I mention his name, my heart bursts with longing for him. Everything in me cries out for him. Softly and tenderly, I wait for him. That verse in context is really God talking about the people that he put Jeremiah in charge of. I love these people. My heart bursts for these people. Yet they're in complete rebellion and God patiently waits for them. So when you look at that word Israel, God's people, or Ephraim, we can actually take that word out and put your name in its place. So 
I'm going to read it again, and I'll try to change the, the language, the verbiage. But I want you to hear it, but put your name in. So I would say, oh, Betty, but you would put in your name. Oh, Susan. Oh, Kathleen. Oh, Tammy. Oh, Krista. So, oh, Krista is my dear, dear daughter. She's my child in whom I take pleasure. And every time I mention her name, my heart bursts with longing for her. Everything in me cries out for her. Softly and tenderly, I wait for her. That's God's word to each and every one of us. In our pain and as we walk through the pain of the clients, the patients that we serve. So I want to read that to you one more time. But this time I want you to put in someone else's name. And it might be someone that you've seen recently as a patient. It might be a family member. But this is what God is saying to that person. So for me, I would, this is, and I'll put a name in here. Oh, Deborah, my dear, dear daughter, my child in whom I take pleasure. Every time I mention her name, my heart bursts with longing for her. Everything in me cries out for her and tenderly I wait for her. When I do that, it changes my perspective on Deborah because I see how God is there and this person is in pain and how God wants to minister to her. For us, it requires opening our hearts. It requires sometimes God working in us to deal with deep wounds. It requires us to not shut our hearts down. Now, I can't say that for Deborah or for anyone else whose name I put in here. I can pray that their heart would be surrendered, but I can trust that God is eagerly awaiting for that person. And I can trust that God will do many things to get that person back to him because he longs to love us. He longs for us to be his beloved. So my heart and my prayer for you this morning is that you personally have a sense that God is there for you. Because when we look back, I know some of you and I know some of your stories that have been in your past. And I know for a few, the stories that you're currently in. And I can't help but smile. When I look at you, Lisa, I can't help but smile and think about what God did and how he wooed you to him and through your journey. Um, And that's a past, but I know for, for many, it's a present. So if you are hurting at this moment, my heart for you is that God's word sinks deep into you and that you hear him call your name and you hear him say that he takes great pleasure in you and that his heart actually bursts with longing for you and that he softly and tenderly waits for you. So with that, let me pray for you this morning, and we'll send you on to your classes. Father, thank you. Thank you for this week. Thank you for this day. Thank you for each and every person represented in the session. You know each person by name. You know the details of their lives. Lord, you know the number of hairs on their head. God, you are intimately acquainted with each and every one of us. You know our past pain. You know our current pain. You know what the future holds for us. And you say in the midst of that, that we're not to despair, that there is meaning, that there is purpose that can be found, 
and that you have already used so many things in our past to shape us and make us who we are today. So make us better. Father, help us as we minister to those women who come to us, Lord, that we see their pain and that we respond to them in the way you would have us respond to them. And Lord, if nothing else, as they walk out that door, may we say, oh, Ephraim is my dear, dear daughter, my child in whom I take pleasure. And every time I mention her name, my heart bursts with longing for her. Everything in me cries out for her. Softly and tenderly, I wait for her. May you sense God's presence with you today. May you look back and see how clearly he was in your lives. May you look forward with joy, knowing that he will be with you every step of the way. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Bless physically, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, socially, financially. Lord, this is a special group of women who serve you mightily, who are frontline warriors. So Lord, dress them in the armor this morning. May they be prepared as they learn. And Lord, when you tell these warriors to rest, may they rest and may they rest with peace that flows over them, in them and through them. Because you, Lord, love each one and you wait patiently for that time with each one. I ask this in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening, and I pray that this time has truly been a blessing to you. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to check out some of our other content, you can visit heartbeatinternational.org slash podcast. Or if there's anything you want to add or comment on, you can reach out to me by email at support at heartbeatinternational.org. 